2: Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you for joining me again this week as we take you through the latest news analysis and game action surrounding our Chicago Bulls and we've finally made it. We're into the final week with only two games left and I couldn't be more happier about that fact and shout out to everyone still listening to the show despite the fact that we as a fan base probably checked out on this season months ago. But uh, I guess for one more week at least, we have to discuss what's going on with this iteration of Chicago Bulls. And joining me today to talk Bulls are two guests, both of whom happen to have their own Bulls podcast called Bulls Gold. If you haven't heard it before and you aren't subscribed to Bulls Gold, I suggest you quickly correct that after listening to this episode. But in the interim, let's welcome in Edward Shuler Jr. and Salim Sudawala onto the show. Fellas, thank you for jumping on this week.
0: No problem, Mark. Great to be back on... uh Great to be back on Bulls HQ, man.
2: Yeah, man. I think it's your se- second time, but Salim, this is your uh, your first go-around. Thanks for coming on, mate.
0: Yeah, I
1: appreciate the invite. Uh, looking forward to doing this. And obviously, you know, we've known each other for a while on Real GM, so it's always good to connect on here.
2: Yeah, it's always good to do a bit of a Bulls uh, podcast crossover, so I'll let you guys plug it, put your plug through a little bit later on. But like I said from the outset, if people aren't listening to Bulls Gold, they need to correct that pretty damn quickly. But glad to have a bit of a crossover here going on. And frankly, I need you guys on this podcast because I've been sitting here watching this team, but well, barely watching this team. But uh, but I've actually been struggling with topics to come up with to, with with this Bulls squad because what we're watching right now, uh, I don't know about you guys, but this might be the least interested I've ever been in a Bulls team in quite some time. I'm not sure if you guys feel the same, but yeah, I, I, I've barely been paying attention to this team and I'm imagining that's the case for most fans around around the world that follow this team.
0: Yeah, it's 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 definitely one of the most depleted Bulls teams we've seen in quite some time right now. I mean, you're missing your essentially your entire starting lineup and then you're missing Chandler Hutchinson off the bench, Denzel Valentine as well. So, it it's weird that you're missing so many players that fans are, you know, interested in, you know, at least for the the long-term benefit of this team and right now you're essentially seeing you know, the Windy City Bulls plus Robin Lopez and Ryan Archie diacono, and then just a few like, you know, cast offs from other teams like Luau uh, Cabareau and uh Wayne Selden Jr. and you know, just, it, it's it's just not a very interesting team to watch. But, you know, it it's actually remarkable that they were able to beat the Washington Wizards the other night. So just to have that happen is just is just crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the same. It's it's hard to Kind of like I'm kind of going back in that same mode earlier in the season where I was just kind of zoning out while I was watching the games and started doing random things. And if you forget, Allison, it's the fourth quarter. Uh, You know, I I don't like the coach, is the first thing. Um, It's frustrating with all the injuries. I don't think they're just simply injuries because of tanking purposes. I definitely think guys are breaking down. And I think that's an issue as itself. and historically has been an issue with this franchise, uh, where we always are like, man, why are these guys always getting hurt? Um, it's something that I don't know if this franchise is ever really going to look into and seeing what they're doing as far as their uh strength and conditioning and various things. I know we like to blame the uh medicine medical staff or training staff, but I don't think it always just starts and ends with them. I think sometimes an organizational uh view at how they are handling um, these type of things. So that could be a concern too. But like I said, yeah, as far as interest of the team is concerned, it's like I'm just counting down to like May 15th or 14th.
2: Yeah, I mean, fingers fingers crossed. I mean, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk draft later on and, and what's happening in March Madness because to be honest with you, that's why I haven't been watching the Bulls. The The, the college game at the moment has been far more interesting to me. One because it's the the climax of their season, but two the the implications it has on on the balls, and you know we're, we're potentially watching a few future balls going around. So that to me is more interesting than watching, I guess, Jakar Sampson go for twenty nine points against the Philadelphia 76ers. But I mean, we're into the final week here. We've got two games left, so we've made it this far. We can struggle through one more week, I guess. But I guess that what I wanted to talk about today with this specific balls team, and to your point, Edward. I mean, we are literally watching a G League squad. You know, Sans, Robin Lopez, the, the players that are out there are basically our G League talent the the guys that have spent, you know, heaps of time in the G League. So we are effectively watching a G League team. But I guess what I wanted to talk to you to you guys about and, and what I wanted to run past you is how much we can actually learn or glean from these games because I mean, we've seen Walter Lemon Jr. come in and put up some numbers. Jakar Sampson, like I said, had twenty-nine points against the Sixers yesterday. Uh, Shaq Harrison's been playing a lot better. Some of these end of the end of the bench guys have actually been putting up numbers. And personally, I'm trying to decipher if what they're doing is has some merit to it or some truth to it, and it's something that can be, uh, I guess, built upon for next season, or if it's just purely putting up numbers in you know, so someone needs to put up numbers for this team in probably the, you know, the part of the season where no one really gives a shit and no one's really trying. So I, I guess um, I've seen segments of the fan base that have bought into what uh, Walter Lemon Jr. has done and that he should make the roster next season. But what are your thoughts on what you've seen on Walter Lemon Jr. specifically thus far? And can we bank on it for next season?
0: Walter Lemon Jr. is interesting because, you know... He- You know, you look at his background and he talks about how he's been very motivated by what Derrick Rose has done. So he looked up to Derrick Rose growing up and you look at how he attacks the rim and he looks like Derrick Rose when he attacks the rim not exactly like Derrick Rose but you see a lot of the same layup packages you see you know how he can contort around the rim and you just see how his approach there is very similar to Derrick Rose so that part is very peculiar about his game and it's probably the most interesting thing about his game like he seems to want it a lot you know he seems to be a you know pretty decent finisher at the rim so you know he's intriguing in that sense uh, You know, I, I think he's earned at least a training camp invite for next season. You know, he, I think he's that interesting. So, you know, from that sense, I could see them bringing him back. But, you know, when you look at how, you know, you look at the circumstances of his team right now, a lot of it is that someone just has to put up numbers. You know, there's You said it best, you know, this is essentially a G League team right now. So, you know, with that, that just comes with someone having to put up numbers, whether it's Jakar Sampson, whether it's uh, TLC, whether it's, you know, uh, Arch, or, you know, Lopez has been balling out too, and he's a veteran. So someone has to pull up numbers. So it's hard to look at the numbers and get excited and, you know, hope for the best. But I think Walter Lemon Jr. specifically has, you know, he's shown – some intriguing things in terms of athletically and you know what he can do with the rim that you would want to bring him back Shaq Harrison uh I I think he's shown enough earlier in the season that you look at what he's done and you know he's interesting the if you can bring him back for a cheap deal as well you know he's a good defender very tough you know he gets a lot of steals and you know he's a very athletic guy as well and you know you always wonder man if Shaq Harrison could get a jump shot You'd have a pretty solid reserve player, given what he does. So he's kind of, in, in a way, he's kind of like the new David Nwaba in a sense that you just have this really athletic, defensive-minded player, and you're just hoping for a jump shot to come one day, and you know then he could become really, really valuable.
1: Yeah, to me. So when I look at the bench um, or who is playing right now, the guys that for sure I see coming back next year are guys like um, Hutchinson. Obviously, not playing right now. But I see him being back simply because, you know, rookie deal. So guys like on rookie deals with him and Val will be back. Um, Arch, I think he'll be back unless he gets some kind of ridiculous offer, uh, which then I don't think the bull should match. Um, But I can see him being back. And maybe Harrison, Shaq Harrison, but even he could be um, touch and go depending on what he gets in free agency. Outside of that, it's like, yeah, it's nice to see some of these guys have good games like uh, Lemon Junior and, and Jakar Samson. I I really don't know how much to take away from that because a you're playing against other teams that are also kind of in that end of the season funk where it's like let's just get this season over with. Guys are probably tired, uh, just annoyed from the season because they're about to mute. they're on a losing team. Sometimes effort may not be there from both sides. Uh, or if you're playing in a, even a playoff team that might have. Uh, positioning and set you know i don't know how serious they're taking it and again some of these guys don't it's not like they have like a, a report out on them like oh we know what to expect from this guy so we're going to take them seriously and defend them seriously so i mean at most like edward said camp and white uh and see if you know they can continue and at the same time a lot of these guys like Jakar samson and lemon jr while they're showing some uh, nice games they're also on not exactly young players, if you will, not that they're super old, but they're like 26, 27 years old. So it's not like they're kind of like those journeymen, G League, borderline G League NBA players that are just always going to be around. And yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to try them out. But at the same note, you don't you'd like more than likely. I don't think they're going to be a, like roster fillers.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I guess the reason why I asked this question, or why I'm trying, or why I'm trying to work out what's happening, and, and trying to figure out if what we're seeing is truth or not, is the fact that someone like Walt, Jun- uh, Walt Lemon Junior has come in and basically averaged fourteen points and six assists. We said before someone has to do it, but he is doing it. I guess so. You have to give him some credit there. We talked about Shaq Harrison, you know, and the fact that he's come on a little bit. But his last ten games, twelve points a game. He's actually shooting thirty nine percent from three, which is Again, not, not high volume, but th- that is some of that improvement that you sort of spoke about there, Edward. Maybe, I-, I don't know if that's sustainable or not, but it's something, I guess. But he's also pulling down six boards, three assists, and two steals. So he's doing stuff too. So the reason why I ask these questions or why I'm interested in him about it, because if Shaq Harrison all of a sudden is an improved player, if Walt Lemon Jr. is at least a camp invite and who could be pushing the point guard position, and we've seen what Ryan Archie has done in the uh, throughout the whole season basically he's been really good off the bench for the Bulls. The reason why I want to know if this is actually sustainable or not because it really sort of plays into that whole question around Chris Dunn and, and that's been the main thing that I've been thinking about watching these games or what I've been barely watching these games is the fact that the Bulls are actually getting some decent guard play out of Lemon Jr., out of Shaq Harrison, out, out of Archer Diakono to the point where I'm thinking you know, depending on what the Bulls do in the draft, maybe they go point guard there with Ja around. If if they so happen to uh to to find him in the draft, but even if that even if that's not the case and they fill the point guard spot with uh, in free agency, I mean, what does this mean for Chris Dunn? And I guess that's the interesting part for me. Like, if Walt Lemon Jr. is for real, if Shaq Harrison improvement here is somewhat for real as well, Chris Dunn makes five point three million dollars next season, and given what the other guards are doing, and depending on what happens in the draft. Suddenly, Dunn's salary isn't really justified, and maybe his play is not justified. So that's like that's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about these guys, or not not learn, but trying to figure out if this is real or not, because it could have real implications on someone like Dunn for next season.
0: Yeah, Dunn is interesting because you know you look at a contract year and. Typically in a contract year, a lot of players are going to be motivated to try and fix the things that have, you know, previously held them back. So, you know, ideally you would look at Chris Dunn and think, okay, a jump shot would be something that, you know, would really skyrocket his value and make him a really hot commodity and restricted free agency. Because right now you it's hard to imagine the Bulls offering him anything interesting if they even did or you know, even if they even do offer him, you know, some sort of, you know, extension before the season starts, I, I highly doubt it. But you know, I, I think if the Bulls do decide to move on from Chris Dunn in the offseason, then I, I think you largely have a lot of evidence right now that points to Dunn being a replaceable player because the Bulls have seemed to really, you know, move on from him in the lineup. Like you look at what Ryan Diacono has done in when while playing with the starters, uh, uh, Levine, Porter, uh, Marketing, and Lopez, you know, he's done well you know, with those players. And, you know, Archie Diacono is just as good as the defender as Chris Dunn. But what Arch, what makes Arch stand out is that he can shoot the ball better. And he's, you know, better at playing his role in that offense and just fits next to someone like Zach Levine better. So, you know, if if we're talking about replacing Chris Dunn, I think you absolutely could do it with, you know, some, you know, some guards like, I don't know if Harrison or Lemon is that type of player to do it, but I think you could look into, you know, free agency and find like a, a cheap veteran that could even fill in those shoes as well. You know, I think, I, I think there's a lot of evidence right now that's pointing to, you know, Dunn being someone that the bulls don't really have to bring back. And as you said, if they can leave this draft with Ja Morant or some other point guard, whether that be Darius Garland or, you know, I don't know if Kobe White is someone that's not really in our range, but if they can leave the draft with, you know, ideally John Moran, I guess, then all of a sudden I think you do have a game plan where you can look at, you know, replacing Chris Dunn. Like, I think there's there really is a lot of writing on the wall right now that says that the Bulls can move on from him and really not miss a beat.
1: Yeah, I I think the Bulls are ready to move on from Chris Dunn, if I'm being honest.
0: I I don't see them having him
1: as far as their uh, plans going forward. Uh, uh, because like like little things like I see them uh, with, when they're doing their season ticket um, advertising for next year. They I haven't seen Chris, one with Chris Dunn on it. I've seen them advertise like Levine, Lowry, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, of Porter, but I haven't seen anything with Chris Dunn. So they're not including him as like it seems like not including him as part of that young core anymore. Uh, and it just seems like and actually when you look that look at the, them playing together, it just doesn't seem like there's much chemistry or fit going on and i would feel comfortable with arch as the backup and like edward said you know you have free agency money so there's a couple of players in free agency you know it'd be interesting to go after Um, i would love them to go maybe after like a guy like patrick beverly he could be an interesting guy you know to bring in as a veteran point guard Um, and then obviously in the draft if you can get a guy like um morant or garland i think that could be potentially a future point guard going forward and then you have that veteran in beverly and then you have some sort of guy like arch that can give you minutes um and productivity wise and yeah I, I guess you can find out what guys like lemon jr can give you if you give them a camp deal but i think when i, I look at the point guard position that's who are the guys i'm kind of focusing on like a, getting getting a, a veteran to come in uh to solidify kind of teach the young guys a little bit and give a little locker room presence and then drafting a point guard and and going forward like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, look, if the delta between Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison and Ryan Archidiakono and even Walt Lemon Jr. isn't that far apart and you do go, in fact, into the draft and you you do happen to land John Morant or, or you do have Pat Beverly coming in, then this really does make Chris Dunn expendable. And that's probably been the main thing that I've been, I, I guess, noting over the last week that... All of a sudden, if it is real, and, and I guess we have to state that again, the fact that what we're seeing, they could just be putting up numbers because someone needs to. But if if Shaq Harrison has taken a step and has improved somewhat, if Walt Lemon Jr. can do this more consistently and, and, and can make the team next season, then I don't think the delta between Dunn and those guys is really great enough to justify his roster spot. And Salim, I think you mentioned before that you know someone like Walt Lemon Jr., he's 26 years old, but Chris Dunn is 25, so... You know, maybe things are different for Chris Dunn if he was twenty-two or twenty-three, and maybe the Bulls view him indifferently at that, that point. But he's basically the same age as Archie Diacono as, as Walt Lemon Jr. as Shaq Harrison. So I don't know why he should be put on a playoff stool above those guys at the moment. I think it's almost the Bulls need to go into the offseason having those four guys somewhat on an even playing field. Maybe, maybe uh, Walt Lemon Jr. a little bit lower than that, given he's barely played. But I I think he needs to be considered at least. But it's just an interesting situation, and I think it's been the most, I guess, fascinating, <laughs> if we can say that, about the last few last few weeks. The most interesting aspect of of watching this team go around, but um, that, that's been the biggest thing that I've been focusing on. But another thing I wanted to ask you guys was, whilst we've seen what Lemon Junior come in, and obviously Jakar Sampson get signed, they needed these bodies just to just just to have an active roster, I guess, given all these injuries that they needed uh, Sampson and Lemon to make the roster, but. These guys have been playing, and they've been playing big minutes, and they've been playing ahead of Ryan Archidiakono and Wayne Selden, and there could be you know actual reasons for that's the case, but if it's more just, uh, look, I don't know what the reason for that is. It could just be meant wanting to get a good look at these guys, but it hasn't necessarily sat with me very well that these two guys are sort of coming and have got more minutes than both Wayne Seldon and Ryan Archidiakono, and like I said, maybe there's a good explanation for it, but I don't know about you guys, but it hasn't necessarily sat well for me that these Two guys are just sort of come in and, and and are averaging thirty minutes a game, whilst Archie Diacono and Seldon sort of languish towards the bottom twenties in terms of minutes. So, what do you guys think about those guys jumping over Arch and Seldon in terms of the rotation?
0: I, I think it's very peculiar for sure because it's it just has a lot of it's just very egregious. But you know, you look at Ryan Archie Diackenel and what he's done for his team this season, you know the the basic stats are never going to be really impressive but you know what he gives you on both sides of the ball he plays hard plays good defense he can hit threes you know he manages the game well like he gets the I think the thing that I like most about Archie Diakno is he gets the ball to the right players so you know you never really have to worry about him taking shots from guys like Mark and Levine or or whoever else like he he Puts the team ahead of himself. So it's just really interesting that he's not really playing as much lately. Like, I've seen some rumors that there's been a, you know, it's been a, uh, there's something in the CBA about uh if Archie Diacono plays a certain amount of minutes or, you know, he meets like a starter criteria or something like that. Like, is there something where his qualifying offer increases and that has been the reason for why the Bulls have been trying to manage his minutes? But if that's not true, then, you know, it, you know, maybe they actually view Ryan Archie Diacono as, you know, a big part of his team's future. Like maybe they're actually interested in trying to keep him healthy and they, you know, maybe they're trying to want to resign him and make sure that he's all good. So that's that's really the only thing I can think of. But, you know, if that rumor about the starter criteria is true, I think that would be actually a you know pretty big story that really hasn't been picked up on.
1: Yeah, I um, that was my thought because uh, I had seen a few um, tweets about that or just a few people mentioning like his minutes being, if he goes over some amount of minutes, so he, he gets a, a bonus or something like that, a roster bonus uh, that could pay him a little bit more so the Bulls are trying to limit his minutes, which is, I don't know how that works as far as players association and uh, stuff like that. That could be a big issue there, so I don't know what the deal is with that. And then, like, um, like Edwards was saying, like, yeah, I think the Bulls probably also see him as they've seen enough from him where they know what they have in him. Um, so it's not like they don't want to, you know, they don't want to push him out there for they don't need to or want to push him out there for like 35 plus minutes to to play. in. And they're trying to just kind of see what they have in these guys like Alkins and Lemon and Samson.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair and I think that's a justifiable argument and that's probably why I haven't gone harder on the issue, the fact that Walt Lemon Jr. is coming, he's averaging 30 minutes a game. Shaq Harrison starting, he's playing 31 minutes a game. Ja'Kar Sampson in his three uh, three games for the Bulls averaging 30 minutes a game whilst Archie Diakono is down at 20 minutes a game and, and Wayne Selden's only playing 24 minutes a game. So I, I probably haven't gone too hard on that fact for, for the reasons you guys mentioned, the fact that the team sort of knows what they have in those two players. And maybe they want to get a look at you know the, the other guys coming through. I think that's justifiable, but but at the same time, in the back of my head, I guess I just can't help but think that maybe the team is trying to compress their free agent values somewhat because both Archie Diakono and Selden are free agents, and maybe they're maybe they're trying to hide them somewhat. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being skeptical just for the sake of it. But it's something I've had in the back of my mind. But I. I like I said, I haven't gotten too hard on it because, you know, frankly, <laughs> we're at the end of the season. It's it's not that big of a topic, I guess. But it's just something I've picked up on and something that's been of note for me over the last few games. But the other thing that I wanted to, to mention or, or whilst I've been watching these games, I can't help but think about I I guess the lottery. And and look, this is what we've been playing for for, for for quite some time, draft positioning and all that sort of stuff. And and I can't help but think that now that the Bulls are locked into number four and they're You know, any chance at a fourteen percent chance at Zion, let's call it that, those chances are dead and gone. The Bulls are locked into number four, so come draft night, they'll have a twelve and a half percent chance at the number one pick. But I you know, when I've been watching these games, I can't help but sit here and say, you know, those wins against the Suns and the Washington Wizards in March and and then recently against the Wizards last week, I think it was if they if those wins were turned into losses, like how differently does the pitcher look? And I know we can point to February as well, given what happened in February, the team actually played 500 ball then. But I think that's a little different because that was actually Zach Levine and Larry Markman balling out. Whereas now, with those two guys pretty much no not not necessarily playing in the last few weeks, it's been these G League players actually getting Ws for the team. And I can't help but think or watch when I watch these guys that. That some of these chances have been somewhat squandered right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard for me to get like riled up about it because you know I just I never really had you know any expectation or I didn't really fathom the thought that you know this lineup, which is again essentially a G League team, would beat a team that had you know Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, Bradley Beal, like. I mean I don't know how they beat Washington I don't know how this team has won any games so far like they Robin Lopez is essentially the number one option on this Bulls team they're playing guys fresh out the G League they're playing guys who you know really weren't even in the rotation for some of the teams that they have been on this season like it's just a lot of cast-offs and You know, they won a game against Washington. So it's just really crazy. But I agree with you that it wasn't really worth, you know, mentioning because when, you know, previously, because. You know, when we were watching the team with Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry marketing, we were seeing signs of a, you know, a trio that was gelling and improving together and playing really well. And they were playing the right type of basketball and they were playing a style of basketball offensively that, you know, we as fans have been begging for, you know, for a while. So, you know, during that scenario, it, it was fine, but, you know, it, it'll it be interesting to see come um, come next month if this really does You know, hurt the Bulls. You know, it. There also could be a scenario where it helps the Bulls. Like, it's always just so tricky to, you know, to to determine that because you know we look at what happened last year when the Bulls. You know, the season looked like it had been a nightmare from a tanking standpoint, and we got seven. We were tied for uh, uh, six, I believe, with the Kings, or seven with the Kings, and you know there was the uh, coin flip that happened, and. We thought winning the coin flip was a good thing, but the Kings actually losing that coin flip got them the combinations or, you know, the combinations in that draft lottery that helped them jump to the number two pick. So, you know, crazy things happen. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we are not in a scenario where we're thinking that, oh, man, if we were, you know, just that one team, I guess, that, you know, you know, had the top three, you know, worst record in the NBA, then we'd have Zion Williamson possibly right now. But you know, it, 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 we'll see what happens come next month. Hopefully that's not the case.
1: So for me personally, I, the only time I really get mad at when we win is because of like Robin is, you know, taking us to victories. And I guess annoys annoys me when deliberately running an offense through him where you're beating him in the post constantly and playing this ugly style of offense, where, which Boylan tends to want to do. That annoys me. And I think, like, the, the, Sun, the win against the Suns annoyed me because, like, I think Robin went for, like, 24 points and, like, eight or nine rebounds or something like that. And he was a big reason why, like, he was really just taking it to eight, And it was just, like, that would be a nice game to lose because at that point we were only, uh, we were right there with the Cavs and the Suns. That game and then the game after against the Wizards, uh, where if we lost both those games, we would have, had a really good shot at being a bottom three record. Outside of like when we're beating a team with these G-, G League players, like I don't know what more you can do. Really, um, it's it is what it is at that point. It's like I mean that's where you want to play. Uh, that's who, that, those are the guys that you want out there to try to see if they can you know get those tank wins, if you will. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, like the only only ones that really bother me is when when we're going when we're really working through Robin Lopez, and he's the guy that's taking us to wins. And like you said earlier, Mark, you know you can't you can't really get upset when Otto Porter Jr., Levine, and and uh, Bari are just clicking together, and they're all three of them are right, going for 20-30 points, and we're you know getting wins like that. It's hard to really you know get upset about that because that's also your future um, of your team. So you want to see those guys play well. You you don't want to see them play bad, and then we're at this point where we're just, we're losing because of those guys. Um, So yeah, I mean, like I said, the only ones that frustrate me are those Robin Lopez wins. And I feel like they could have really positioned themselves in that case where you don't play Robin uh, so much, give Felicia more minutes and you kind of even out, you know, that balance where you're kind of picking up these losses and and you're getting right there with the Cavs um, and the Suns and trying to, you know, compete for one of those bottom three records.
2: I mean, look, we we saw against, like, I, I think it was the Wizards. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was the Wizards. We saw the value against Robin Lopez versus Cristiano Felicio when Felicio wasn't even in the defensive play in in the final seconds of that game, and he came streaming straight back in because he he realized he had to play de- defense. I mean, that's the kind of error that someone like Felicio makes versus Robin Lopez, who will never make a you know a mistake like that. So. I get what you're saying in terms of, you know, they could have rebalanced or redistributed the the minutes somewhat, but I I, I also want to give Robin Lopez a bit of a shout out. The fact that he's sort of gone through this entire season and gone through this entire mess and has pretty much played in every single game and has done so with being a complete professional, I think Robin Lopez needs a bit of a shout out. You know, we as fans have had to endure a lot, but imagine playing through all that. <laughs> so shout out to Robin Lopez. But look, that's all that's all I want to talk about this current team anyway. We've gone half an hour talking about this G League's Bull Squad. So I think that's more than enough. I uh, I wanted to divert now to talking about the Elite Eight, the final four, and what we're seeing from that, and, and in terms of what or how that pertains to the Bulls going forward. But before we do that, I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsor, which is Ethos Life Insurance. Getethos.com. So life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply and you can be rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have the peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. All right, cool. So now that that's out of the way, let's let's talk Elite Eight. Let's talk Final Four and let's talk the draft for the Bulls. So obviously, that's all that we got really to look forward to going forward. The season's about to end and... I don't know about you guys, but I'm interested in seeing how this, this title game sort of plays out. We've got Texas Tech going up against Virginia. Not necessarily the highlight or the or the the, the, the star-studded game that we, we had hoped to see once the tournament kicked off, but unfortunately with Zion, Barrett, Coach K, and Duke watching from home, we don't have much choice here but to be watching Texas Tech versus Virginia, but uh, I'll throw it over to you guys. What have you made of the Elite Eight, the Final Four? I don't know if you guys caught those games at all, but... Well, yeah. What what have you made of those games, and and how that affects the Bulls going forward in terms of the draft? Have you been keeping note of the players that may be in the Bulls' range, and and what have you made of their performances here in the Final Four or, or the Elite Eight for the for the Duke guys?
0: I think the tournament has done a good job of you know. Well, Zion is obviously still the crown jewel of this draft. You know, he's he's kind of cemented himself as possibly even one of the best prospects you know college prospects we'll ever see you know just from athletically and you know all of the all of the reasons we we already know so Zion has pretty much cemented himself but I think the other thing is that going into the tournament I think a lot of people wanted to see if any players would separate themselves in that next tier of prospects and John Morant obviously impressed a lot going you know in the uh first two rounds before you know he was eliminated so you know after that it was pretty much you know barrett and hunter and uh culver and you know i, I don't think anyone's really i think that that tier two is still kind of really lumped together so it's going to be really hard and interesting to see how a lot of different front offices view that group you know rj barrett came into this season you know definitely with the most hype and you know he definitely has a lot of flaws of of his game when you look at defense defense and you know his perimeter shot and you know a lot of people just don't think he's really like elite at one particular thing but it's hard you know, turning down that type of player who's 18 years old, can put the rock on the floor, can rebound it, you know, play make for others. Like he he has a very interesting skill set, but he wasn't really as efficient as a lot of people would have liked to see. Then you see players like Culver and Hunter who, you know, are far ahead of him defensively, have better fundamentals than him. And, you know, while they may not be as talented, you look at those players and they, you just see – you see a higher floor and it's a lot more promising for a team. And, you know, Jared Culver in particular is someone, you know, who Salim, you know, on a few of our episodes has really, you know, you know, really increased my value of and, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Culver. His fundamentals are really solid. His defensive value is really good. And, you know, while his jump shot is still needs some work, you know, I, I can definitely see the makings of a player in Jared Culver who you know, when you look back in this draft, maybe four or five years, a lot of people will think, you know, why didn't we pick up on this guy a little bit sooner? Like he's, he's a very good player. He's very impressive. So, you know, while he didn't have the best game last night, I think it was good that he was able to make, you know, he he was still able to have an impact on defense and he was still able to make that big shot, you know, near the end of the game to really give Texas Tech that win. So, you know, Culver is someone who I think his value and his perception, I think it's increased a lot. And, you know, you know, outside of Ja Morant, you would in uh, Zion Williamson, you would probably look at Jared Culver as the guy who's you know, he's probably the biggest winner of this tournament so far in terms of draft value.
1: Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah, going into into this into the tournament, I think people probably were trying to see if Morant, they, they thought Morant would be the second guy in the draft. And I think he kind of did solidify himself because he played really great the two games that you know um his team were in murray state was in the tournament i think you know after him um i would say rj barrett probably lost a little um in my opinion lost a little bit of uh, momentum because i think you see issues with him like while he has that potential offensively um um, I think you see issues with him where he he's predictable in the direction he goes towards the basket. He he favors one side over the other. Uh, he kind of decision-making-wise, you know, he probably is a very good passer, but he doesn't really util- utilize his passing skills. And I don't know if that's something where because of Duke, the way Coach K has, the, has them set up. And also in his kind of defense, he's kind of playing around guys. He's not around shooters a lot either. Uh, so it could be an issue with spacing. But I think you've kind of seen where coming into the season to now, where he was probably considered the best prospect in the league uh, in, the, in this draft to kind of wavering down. Um, I don't know if he's that far away from, in my personal opinion, from a guy like Jer- Jared Culliver. Um, I really like Jared Culliver personally. Uh, I, I I feel like he's a guy that he can he had he can do a lot of good things, and maybe he doesn't have an elite skill yet but I think you've had guys in the past that you kind of had that same thought of. And then all of a sudden they really broke in. I remember um, a guy like Brandon Roy, where people thought, you know, this guy's going to be pretty pretty good, but they didn't see an elite player in him because they thought he he can do a bunch of good things. He can play defense. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's improving with his jumper uh, and things like that, but they didn't see a a elite prospect out of him. And then obviously he proved people wrong. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good as uh, Brandon Roy, i kind of see that same similarities where people are saying uh, you know there's not an elite player in here and also he can pr- prove people wrong because fundamentally he's really he's a smart player he has good fundamentals and sometimes those things can make a difference uh, and it's not like to say he's a bad athlete another guy I think that's probably kind of maybe risen his stock a little bit is a um, Cody white um, as at, at the point guard position because he's he's a bigger point guard. Um, he's only 19 and, you know, with, with this draft being so weak at, as like, as far as how many point guards there are, I think he could probably make a name for like noise for himself and, and really rise up in the rankings because like I said, after, um, Moran, you know, there's the, there's the intrigue of Darius Garland, but he's still there. people are just assuming because they haven't seen anything of him. but Cody Wyatt is kind of really, you know, he played well in the tournament. Um, and his age factor and everything like that and you figure his size I think he's probably helped himself and really climbed the uh, the rankings
2: yeah I mean I'm glad you guys mentioned Barrett and Culver because I think most Bulls fans have settled on settled on the opinion that I mean Zion's going to go number one he's the consensus number one and John Morant is shaping up to be that second pick right now as well maybe that changes based on what happens in the in the title game with Jared Culver but I, I would assume most would have uh, Ja Morant at pick 2 which sort of leaves Barrett and and Culver and a few others for that for that third spot I guess in terms of the best player available at number 3 so simple question I guess if if the Bulls happen to land number 3 in the draft they move up one spot in terms of your your opinion who, who do you take do you take Barrett or Culver I think that's going to be you know, if it shapes out that way that the Bulls do have number th- the number three pick, that's probably going to be the biggest question over the offseason. So I, I figured I'd ask it now if that situation materializes based on the information that we have right now. Who do you take? Do you take Barrett or, or do you lean Culver?
0: I think right now, and granted, I may change my opinion 12 times, right? <laughs> uh, over the next few months, but uh, right now I have RJ Barrett at three and I just I understand that Culver is you know I think he has better fundamentals I think he has a higher floor and when you consider his defensive value, but you know from what I see of Barrett you know a six seven you know maybe even six eight uh, wing who just has this very diverse skill set offensively who has this, you know, very dog, you know, personality and approach to the game where he's really tough. He wants to be the guy. And, you know, even, even though, you know, that mindset also contributes to some of his downfalls, but to me to have a lot of those things at age 18 and I I think what he has, if he can ever put it together and, you know, have a, a smarter game, to have a more mature game, to become more efficient, I think that's very intriguing. Now, you know, we can definitely debate about, you know, the chances of that for a while, but, you know just looking at that type of skill set, you know, you could definitely see an all-star player happening. I don't really see a superstar player in R.J. Barrett, but, you know, I, I definitely see an all-star one. And I see somebody that can get you 20. I see someone who can get you, you know, seven or eight boards, and then, you know, with his passing and, you know, potentially playmaking off the dribble for others, you know, that's a part of his game that you're really going to hope can improve and get better at but he could be anywhere from four or five maybe even six assists a game so he's he's a very you know he's a very interesting player in that regard so right now i would have barrett as my number three pick
1: yeah i'm i'm like go back and forth it's just, it's so tough between them because you see the value like as we have talked about that culver culver brings in his all-around game and the thing that barrett has an elite potential of is his offensive game but you you see that there there are a lot of shortcomings in his in that regards to his offensive game where you don't know if he will ever meet those uh expectations. Simply if push comes to something like by a hair, just simply because of the all-around game, I'll probably take culver. But I if you ask me in an hour, I'd probably change my mind again. It's just so hard between those two guys that are so close to me as far as um as prospects because of Like I said, when you take Culver's overall game, I feel like he'd be a better impact player. But R.J. Barrett, if he ever reached that offensive potential, it's just intriguing as well. So it's just so tough for me to pick. Um, But like I said, push comes to shove. It's right now, if I let it probably take Culver. Um, And then I think the biggest thing is going to be for them down the line is their one-on-one workouts and how they fare in that regard. And that's what probably will really separate these guys
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a good position to be in, right? Like if you're having to if you've moved up from four to three and and your decision is do I take R.J. Barrett or do I take Jarrett Culver, it's not a bad situation to be in. So it's 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 a good problem to have. But uh, I I guess fingers crossed that that situation at least materializes. Obviously, we we would hope for something a little bit more. Maybe pick one or pick two, but I would definitely take pick three um, if that was what, what was available. But yeah, it's I think it has the potential to be an interesting question over the off season, but. In watching the Elite Eight in the Final Four, and I don't know, we probably already knew this anyway, but but this weekend in particular, it really rammed home the point that outside of these top four picks in the draft, which we've, which we've sort of mentioned here, there isn't much talent in this in, in this draft in terms of finding that, that next star, if we want to call it that. And I guess I've spent a lot of time watching Zion, watching Morant, Barrett, Culver, these sorts of guys, but for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it really hit me this weekend that there's a very real scenario that the Bulls actually don't get a top four pick, even though that Bulls fans, all we're talking about is one of these top four guys. Meaning those four are off the board and, you know, what the hell do we do in that scenario? And I guess maybe that point was rammed home for me, given that we're seeing a team like Virginia go into, into into the title game versus Texas Tech. And I'm sitting there wondering, you know, are we looking at a situation or, you know, if the Bulls happen to fall from, let's say, four down to seven, are we are we talking ourselves away from you know RJ Barrett and Jared Culver to someone like Deandre Hunter who's also going to be in the title game and I don't know maybe that's maybe hit me this weekend because I was watching Virginia and I wasn't super impressed with Hunter's game but <laughs> that that situation scares me so I guess my question is what do you guys do if you do sort if we, if the balls do fall down from number 4 down to number 7 and you're looking at prospects like Deandre Hunter instead of RJ Barrett and Jared Culver
0: I really like and, you know, granted, uh, he hasn't played many games this season, but I really like Darius Garland. And, you know, when we were we've been talking about John ja Morant a lot all season and, you know, his game is really good. And I hadn't you know, I had not watched really much of Darius Garland. So when I started watching clips, you know, the things that really stood out to me were just really impressive and I think the thing that stood out to me the most is that he really kind of fits the mold of a the prototypical scoring point guard in today's league. He has a pull-up game. He can shoot off the dribble. He can catch and shoot, and he can score at all three levels. And not only that, but he can get his own shot, and he's got advanced ball skills in terms of being able to get his own shot. His dribble package is very impressive, and he can get separation with his dribble. He can get separation with his quickness. He's got a really good first step, and – you know, he's just been really impressive to me. So, you know, if if we fall in that four through, like, let's say, or let's, if we get in that, like, five through eight range or, you know, whatever – I think Garland would be the player that I would be targeting if I could move down and position myself to get the best value out of the situation, maybe acquire future picks. But he would be a player that I would have in mind because I think his skill set fits really well around this current group. Because, you know, we talk a lot about how Chris Dunn doesn't really fit next to Zach Levine because he, you know, Dunn needs the ball. He can't really shoot and he doesn't really present much value. On the court when he doesn't have the ball, but you look at what someone like Darius Garland can do. If Zach Levine has the ball, Darius Garland has value because you can't leave him. He can make that jump. He can make that three point shot. If you need to take pressure off Zach Levine, Darius Garland can get his own shot. He can, you know, create offense in the pick and roll and you know defensively he's not really a lost cause either he's a scrappy defender like he puts in effort on that side of the ball as well so you know it'll be interesting to see what he looks like in workouts and things like that but Darius Garland is someone that I think people should really keep an eye on because you know he's a very talented offensive player and if he hadn't gotten injured there's definitely a real case that we could be talking about Darius Garland uh in a similar light that we talk about, John ja Morant, like he's he's that talented of a, of a player,
1: yeah. To me personally, I mean, like I brought up Cody White, and I would take a strong look at him if he ended up at seven. I just like I know Edward brings up Edward, um, Edward brings up uh, Darius Garland. Uh, he's intriguing, um, I guess, but it's hard for me to say, yeah, that I would feel confident in taking him just because he's a big question mark. Like I know like the allure of potential or possibility is what's attractive to of, of him right now. But I mean, what I saw from Cody white, he showed an ability to uh, be able to shoot the ball. Um, and it's not consistent as of yet, but I think he showed the ability. He's, he, he's gone hot and cold from behind the arc. And he, he had a couple of games, um, before, I think I know, it was probably before the tournament uh, where he was like six of 11 from behind the arc. Um, but he's also the game right before they bounced, um, not before they get bounced, but one of the games they determined where he was like 4 of 7. But he's shown a good ability to playmake. He has size. Like I said, he's fairly athletic. Um, Also has only 19 years old. Um, So, I mean, I would take a good look at him at the number 7 spot, and especially if he feels a need to be able to fit with the rest of the uh, young core that we have.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one because personally I I don't get the Garland hype and and that's just based on the information I have and and, uh, uh, the information that we have right now which is the fact that he hasn't obviously played many games and you know maybe maybe that changes once workouts start happening, once the combine happens and once we start getting a little bit more information about these guys but I don't know, maybe it's it's just because I'm conservative in nature in terms of wanting to have as much information as possible about these players before the pick is made that uh, I, I guess I, I can't see it with Garland just now, but obviously I don't have the same vantage points uh, as what management and as what the front office do, will do when it comes to scouting. So maybe I eventually come June I can get behind the Garland hype, but right now I just, I guess I can't justify it to myself. But And, and the same thing with White as well, I, I don't view him as a natural point guard either, so... I think he's more of a, of, of a combo guard in, in, in my book and I don't know if he's necessarily the, the kind of playmaker that I would want at point guard and I, I don't know if he's fit with Levine would be seamless as well. And, and given that we're building around two two young bigs, I, I kind of worry about those two guys getting shut out in you know, Levine and, and, and white backcourt. But I don't know, maybe I'm just being pedantic here and maybe I just am not seeing the value in these guys and maybe that's my own fault. But I, I really do worry about the scenario where the Bulls have fallen down from, say, three to four, where you can really talk yourself into someone like Culver or Barrett to the point where we're down at seven, let's say, and we're really having to justify you know, the pick of a a guy that really came on in the last two months versus a guy that's barely played. So it's not an ideal situation, but we we may very well find ourselves in that situation. But fingers crossed, that doesn't happen. But yeah, like I said, for whatever reason, uh, I, I guess it's because Virginia made it maybe. Uh, that point really ran home to me that the Bulls could fall, and and you know this all these hours and these man hours spent, you know scouting Jarma around and RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson as uh, Zion Williamson rather and Jared Colbert. it could all be no- all for nothing, come May fourteen. But maybe I'm just being negative for the sake of it. But um, <laughs> I think we can end it there, guys, because that's probably there's there's no, there's no real way to come back from that. I guess. But I appreciate you guys jumping on the podcast. For me this week, um, before you get away though, do 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 give us a plug where we can find your stuff online, particularly Bull's Gold. I want people to uh, to subscribe to that. So before you get away, just just let let people know where they can find you on Twitter, online, all that sort of jazz.
0: Yeah. So. Uh- you can follow bulls gold on twitter twitter twitter.com slash bulls gold uh me and salim we uh we take turns tweeting from the account we're always we're always pretty active on it uh you can find bulls gold on every i think it should be on every uh platform right now so you can find it on itunes you can find it on uh, google play you can find it on stitcher podbean uh you should find it everywhere and uh we're doing episodes weekly and uh yeah we have a lot of fun mark is appeared on uh, a few of our episodes and they've just been a blast. So uh, definitely check out uh bulls gold. And uh, if, when you get a chance.
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, said, you know, appreciate Mark having us on and yeah, follow us on bulls gold. Uh, you can follow me, my personal account too, if you want, it's Jordan uh, dynasty, uh, Twitter at Jordan dynasty. Yeah. Again, we appreciate Mark having us on and hopefully we can do this again in the future. And I'm sure we'll have Mark on in ours as well down the line.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, thanks for coming on, guys. I appreciate it. It's always fun doing these crossover sort of podcasts. I mean, we, we jump on each other's show and those sorts of things. It's always fun. I mean, it's always fun talking balls, but uh, it's always good crossing over like that. So I appreciate you guys jumping on, and, and we'll definitely do it in future again in the future.
0: Absolutely, man. Anytime you want to do it, man. Absolutely. Thanks a lot again.
2: All right, so thanks again to Edward and to Celine for coming on to the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, from the outset, we're into the final week of the season, so you all deserve a pat on the back for lasting this long, if you have actually lasted this long, watching the Bulls all this season. But I also appreciate it if you're stuck around with Bulls HQ during the doldrums of this season. I mean, it's 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 tough to watch the Bulls when we we'll go around, but it's probably even tougher to listen to a Bulls-based podcast on top of that as well. So if by chance you are still listening to Bulls HQ, and I don't know how many are right now. But if you are, I do appreciate you hanging around and listening and tuning in every week. It it really does make my life a little bit easier. So thank you for doing that. We'll be back again next week or maybe even later in the the week. I'm not sure as of yet, but... Like I said, the season's wrapping up, so it makes sense to do a bit of season in review type show. That'll probably be out either Friday or Monday. I'll, I'll, I'm not sure just yet, depending on schedules. We'll see how that shakes out, but you'll be able to find that in all the usual places. I'll be pimping it out on Twitter. You'll see it in all your podcast feeds where you usually find all your good podcasts. So be on the lookout for that, but in the interim, follow the show on Twitter at Bulls HQ Pod. Follow me at MK Hoops. and like I said, We'll be back again very soon, wrapping up what has been a very interesting season for the Chicago Bulls. But again, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you guys, and we'll speak again very soon.